son therefore shall make you free. He shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for October 9th, 2011. <clears throat> and today, before we get started, just a little Bible study before we get into the main body of the teaching. Um, verse from Hebrews, Hebrews 5, 13 and 14. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So that's a very important point regarding the day and times we're living in, the most deceptive times the world, as the Bible predicted, will ever know. The times when evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And if it were possible, uh, they... Satan's minions shall deceive the very elect, according to Matthew twenty four twenty four. So, strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. And this would be, uh, milk would be if you were in a church and all you ever heard was a flowery sermonette type of thing, maybe a, uh, that type of thing, they're, they're being fed milk. Whereas strong meat, going into the deeper things of the word of God, strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, and then, uh, this is another attribute of somebody that is used to um, being exposed to strong meat, which would be, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we're supposed to have our, ex our senses exercised to discern both good and evil, which is a lot of what we get into on a weekly basis here. Um, that... Obviously, a lot of the other um, 501c3 corporate church settings, you're not going to get that. Not not all, but obviously the vast majority of them. And we, we need to have our senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It is a good thing. It's and a lot of people would say, "Oh, well, now you're you know you're judging." We we need to judge between good and evil. That's a necessary thing. That is a good thing. Okay. We don't want to use hypocritical judgment, which is where Jesus said, judge not lest ye be judged, when you have a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brothers. We're supposed to, Jesus goes on to say, remove the beam in your own eye so that you can judge the speck in your brothers. So, it's just a good point to think about. Uh, Zephaniah 2, 1 through 3 says, gather yourselves together, yea, gather together, O nation not desired. Which would really be pretty much representative, I believe, of you know, America as a whole, and a lot of other nations as well. <clears throat> o nation not desired, before the decree bring forth, before the day pass as the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, which it is coming. You, you can't have 50 plus million aborted babies in a land, and that's just been since Roe versus Wade, and who knows how many others have taken place in the form of the morning after pill, or the subject we got into last week, even with contraception, certain types of contraception actually induce or cause are what they call abortifactive, which that's that's no different in God's eyes, as far as it's it's a life being snuffed out in the womb. It's the same thing that happens in an abortion. It's just at an earlier stage, typically. So who knows? It could be billions upon billions upon billions, and in a sense, that's that's. Innocent blood crying out from the land. That's that's what defiles the land. Uh, 
the things that God talks about defiling the land. Iniquity and sin does to a certain extent, but there's certain things that really are specifically mentioned that defile the land. And when the homosexuals and the sodomites and that type of thing come to pass, that's something that also defiles the land in a very, very heavy way and also uh, child sacrifice, uh, killing of, of innocent babies. So, the the fierce anger of the Lord has to come at some point. Judgment of this sin has to come to America at some point. It's just a matter of time. <clears throat> then it goes on to say, Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth. Now, meek doesn't mean weak. Okay? Um, Moses was described as the meekest man on earth, but he had, you know, obviously he had a temper, and that doesn't make it Right, I'm saying have a temper, but it wasn't like he was a weak guy. Meek before the Lord. Meek and humble before God. His presence is, I believe, what they're really in, in, in reference to here. Um, do you know your place? Do you know your standing in relation to the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father Almighty? Okay, Are you going to go to him proudly and with your chest pushed out and, you know, I'm such a great super Christian, or, or are you going to go to him in meekness? So seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. See, his judgment is a good thing. Wrought his judgment. They've actually done God's judgment. And we had talked about this in a recent teaching, that when judgment and justice, true judgment and true godly judgment and justice, leave the land, then basically the land, uh, it's it's people become so evil and wicked because there is no true judgment, there is no true justice, that God actually withdraws his hand from that land. And in that particular case in Isaiah, God talks about drawing back salvation unto himself. It becomes very, very hard for anyone that lives in that land to even be saved because there is no true judgment. There is no true righteousness or godliness in the land. So I'm not saying you couldn't be saved in that environment, but there's a lot less likelihood that that's going to happen. Which have wrought his judgment, seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be, ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. So that's a good thing. That's that's a, a very important thing in regard to the days and times we're moving into in regard to protection. Jesus Christ also said, pray that ye be accounted worthy to escape all the things coming upon the earth and to stand before the Son of Man. That's in regard to the end times. So that goes with this as well. Isaiah 66.1, because what we're going to be talking about today, um, essentially, I guess if you could name the title of the teacher, it would be 19 Ways They Are Trying to Kill Us. And it's one of those, um, you know, not being ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he get an advantage of us, 2 Corinthians 2.11. This is, this is what this particular teaching is all about. Okay, not being ignorant of Satan's devices. Now, I've talked about a lot of things we're going to be talking about individually, but this would be a good synopsis. I'm not going to go into great depth on every single subject, but I'm going to give you a good synopsis of a ton of the ways, and I think it would be a good tool to be able to put in front of somebody that was skeptical about, oh, it's really not that bad. They're really not trying to do this. Oh, yes, they are. It is that bad. In fact, it's worse than we can possibly ever really imagine or fully comprehend, even with the teaching today that you'll you'll see. But it, I, I think in totality, when you present this information in totality as one cohesive unit, it becomes a lot 
more overwhelming, convincingly, than if I just maybe got into one thing. One little point I'm talking about. But when you really see it all together, the big picture comes into view, I believe, much more clearly and concisely. So let's go further. Isaiah 66, 1, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have, have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, now this is God speaking, to this man will I look, even to him that is of a poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. That poor and contrite is basically synonymous also with meek. They're, they're, very, they're almost interchangeable. A poor, and that doesn't, a poor and a contrite spirit doesn't mean it's a poor spirit. It's, it's a contrite, it's a meek, it's before the Lord, okay? And trembleth at my word. Well, that implies fear of the Lord, which will also, a byproduct of fear of the Lord, is meekness, is contriteness before God. So they all go hand in hand. Uh, next verse. <clears throat> yea, they have chosen their own ways, their soul delighteth in their abominations. This is actually Isaiah 66, 3 through 3. 3 through 5. Yea, they have chosen their own ways. Their soul delighteth in their abominations. This is a pretty good example of, uh, I would just say, modern day America for the most part. Uh, I will also choose their delusions. Now, could this have any um, interplay or parallel to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 where it says, and for this cause, and this is regarding, you know, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is regarding the time of the falling away of the church. And it says it right in verse 3, okay? The falling away of the church and the wicked one being revealed. So that's the exact time that we're basically, we're in the time of falling away of the church. And then that wicked, capital W, the Antichrist being revealed. So we're in, we're in the same time period. And then it goes on in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 to say, And for this cause God shall send them a strong delusion. God's doing it. That they will believe a lie. That they might all be damned who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Uh, it's kind of a parallel here. Where, where it says, <clears throat> They've chosen their own ways, their soul delighteth in their abominations, and I will choose their delusions. God. I will bring their fears upon them. Because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. But they did evil before mine eyes, and chose that which I delighted not. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, let the Lord be glorified. But he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. Now this is happening all over. The, the biggest question I get from somebody that starts finding out this type of information, whether it's from my ministry or another ministry, because I don't want to say I've got a corner on the market regarding truth or anything like that, okay, is, well, I, I just found out, I've, I've really been studying this, I found out this information about the apostasy of the church, and it's just now, it's so obvious, and, and a lot of the stuff, the topics that we get into that don't, aren't really addressed or discussed or ignored in the modern day 501c3 corporate church for the most part, and then they start going to their pastor or where, whatever, or their people that were their friends, and they quickly realize they really probably weren't their friends. And when asked, 
you know, when they ask their pastor or their friends in their church to disprove it, they can't disprove it. It doesn't happen. You know, they'll, they'll say, well, this is causing division among the brethren. Well, it's better to be divided in truth than united in error. And that's a modern-day, picture-perfect example of the, let's say, modern-day 501c3 corporate church that will be assimilated into the one-world church of Antichrist. It's already a corporate entity. It's already part of the government system. It already has its right to exist via the government, through the government, by abiding by IRS guidelines. Its head, its creator, was the government. There's no Bible for that. There's none. You can't go in the New Testament and say, well, we, we, got, we were sanctioned from Caesar. Caesar gave us our right to exist. You know, I serve King Jesus. That's it. He is the head. And anything with two heads is a monster. You can't have Jesus Christ as your head and Caesar as your head. Or, you know, the IRS slash government as your head and Jesus Christ as your head. And they could take away that 501c3 corporate status, whatever other status that you might have where you're under that, they can take it away and, and you're not going to be, you know, in that sense, you know, a church anymore. And, and unfortunately, that's just the day and time we're living in. Uh, but people all the time are emailing me and have throughout the years, and that's their big, well, what do we do? Where, where do we, where do we fellowship? This type of thing. Now, there is a forum there's a link on the right side of the website. There's a Christian forum there where a lot of my listeners go to network. And there's a the little tab under there, uh, like introductions, who's in my area, that type of thing, uh, that you can go and kind of click on that. And, but I don't have a great answer regarding that. I mean, this is just the deal. Uh, and, and again, this verse here seems to parallel that, where it says, your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, let the Lord be glorified. But he shall appear to your joy and they shall be ashamed. It, it, it reminds me of all these people that email me regarding that same story I've heard a hundred times, at least, if not way more than a hundred you know, the, the, Jesus Christ said it's going to get so bad that they that think they killeth you think that they doeth it in God's service, think that they're doing it in Jesus' name or whatever. Well, it's very, very uh, parallels that here. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, let the Lord be glorified. But he shall, and that's what a lot of people do. They will, they will get maybe kicked out of their church. They're perceived as a troublemaker. They're totally pursuing truth and righteousness. They can't be refuted, whatever particular subject they're getting into, but they're cast out because, you know, they're accused of being a, causing division among the brethren, or they or they choose to leave of their own volition and, and voluntarily. One way or another, it's going to probably happen. But it should just, you should have to understand, that's the norm. That's the norm now. And I don't have a great answer about you know, finding a great church in your area. I, I don't, not to say that one may not exist, okay? But it's something that I think the best advice I can also give you is to pray and fast specifically about that issue. And, and to get into the Word of God and, and ask Him, you know, to show you 
uh, open a door if, if there's one that, that is in your area that can be opened uh, regarding that particular issue. So, let's go further. Jeremiah 32, 26-27. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? So again, it might seem like an impossible thing to say, well, um, can God protect me? Can God uh, put me in a fellowship in my area? Can God, you know, direct me and lead me? Well, right here it says, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? He made the universe. He spoke it into existence. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So, you know, this John 1. So, no, there's nothing too hard for Him. No, nothing. Just believe it. It's just a matter of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if your faith, if you feel like, well, I don't really have a lot, I don't, I feel like my faith is weak or whatever, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So you build your faith by hearing the word of God. You know, you read it, you meditate upon it, you memorize it, it's a really good way, that type of thing. Um, those are ways you build. And then also putting on the full armor of God, where when it gets to the shield of faith, it says, above all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So, that's very important. The Bible also says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives not unto the death. So, these are just other things you can think about. Jeremiah 33, 2-3, which is the next chapter uh, from the chapter I just quoted. Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. There's another verse that's good to good to memorize. Faith builder. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into the study. So I would rather you dwell and focus like on those verses as we go through this horrific material. Uh... Because that's why I wanted to like lay the foundation for the study with those verses, which you know are uh, looking for wit for okay uh, the Lord's protection and things of this nature. I mean, Psalm ninety-one. You have Psalm sixty-four. There's a lot of different psalms that you could literally pray. A lot of the, the things that we just said on those are the verses you need to really focus on. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What I'm doing here is giving you practical things as far as Ways you could possibly be being destroyed for lack of knowledge, like Hosea 4.6 warns about. Uh, a lot of these things, a lot of Christians are totally unaware of. They don't know they exist. But that doesn't make them any less lethal. If somebody gives you a glass of orange juice and it's poison, but you don't know it's poison, and you drink it and you die, haven't you just been destroyed for lack of knowledge? You know, I'm not saying God couldn't uh, protect you from the poison and the orange juice, but if you did die, okay, you've just been destroyed for lack of knowledge. There's a lot of different ways you can be. And ultimately, the worst, the, the ultimate ways is, is, is um, 
rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. So anyway, let's go further. This is entitled, 19 Ways They're Trying to Kill Us. Red Level Alert America. Now, this is from uh, federaljack.com. Now, what I did is I expanded on this. I edited it. I expanded on it a lot. Uh, It's not the same. If you saw this online, this is just, I used it as a template. Uh, The guy wrote this in kind of a quip, sarcastic type of tone. I tried to edit some of that down so it's a little bit more readable and hopefully more. I'll be able to teach on it a little bit easier. So understand, this is his article, The Guy's Not Saved, but he did go over a lot of very, very good points regarding this material. He covered a lot of ground with it. So uh, the way it's standing right now, it's looking like about a 29-page teaching. I don't know how far I'm going to get into it tonight, but I'm going to give it my best shot here. So, starting out, it says, while we are all focusing on the coming financial collapse, as bad as that is something, much more sinister, uh, much more, something more sinister is actually at work. It's very subtle, and if you're not, if you're not paying attention, but to be aware, it's blatant, insidious, and just as horrific as Hitler's Germany. There is a small group of the world's banking elite, or you could also say the Illuminati, who have worked for a few hundred years with ingenious precision and unlimited money to corral, coerce, conquer, Every country on the value, every country of value on Earth. Now, ultimately, though, yeah, we could focus in on that. But who's ahead of them? Who are they servants to? Satan and his fallen angels? Yes, they're the real. Remember, we battle not against flesh and blood, okay, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where a real battle is, and that's why the Bible says, "Go on to say, above all, you know, take put on the." whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay, so again, another reason to put on the whole armor of God. Uh, but that's where a true battle is. But Satan works through these wicked elite families to implement his agenda on planet Earth to ultimately usher in the rule of the Antichrist and false prophet, the one world religion, the one world political system, the one world governmental system, the one world currency of essentially the tribulation. He's using these elitist families as his pawns in order to implement that, which will fulfill scripture. So it's not something we should really... It's easy to get discouraged, but also understand it's fulfilling scripture. The Bible says it's got to be this way. This is why people that are like dominionists, you know, I'm thinking, well, what? I guess you guys just totally did away with revelation. Well, yeah, that's what they basically believe, that the world's just going to get so good through their actions, like guys like Rick Warren. Uh, Of course, he's actually ushering in the one world religious system. Uh, but things are going to get so good that the, Jesus Christ is going to have no choice but to come back and, and rule and reign from earth. And it's, it's almost as though revelation isn't going to happen. It's all negated. Now, there's also a lot of other people out there that I get emails from quite frequently. I'm not even saying they're my listeners. just I might have got on their list or something. And they're saying, oh yeah, this is a fulfillment of revelation whatever. Revelation 7 or 8 or ugh. And I'm like, whoa, we're not even in the tribulation yet. And you're telling me, well, this is the second, this is the uh, 
This is the second uh, horseman of the apocalypse. It's the death. Okay, so all the stuff that had to happen before that happened, even though that hasn't happened, now all of a sudden we're all the way to the second horseman of the apocalypse, and that's happening now. I get these emails all the time. And I'm like, well, just like why I did that uh, study on um, the uh, Gog-Magog war, which the Bible clearly says happens, and it says it in Revelation plain as day, happens at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, which is at bare minimum a thousand and seven years away from right now, and that's if the tribulation started tomorrow. Go back and listen to the study. I'm just going to show you scriptures. That's all I'm showing you. I'm not really trying to give you a whole lot of my opinion. I'm just reading it, and and you can be the judge. But man, there's a lot of... uh, I mean, I'm not not trying to be mean or anything, but... You know, there's a lot of people out there that are sending me stuff. Not even so much I'm saying all my listeners. But it's like, okay, this is our... We're already like way into the tribulation. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's so many things that have to happen before that. So when you look at something, or if you get something, and they're saying, "Oh, this is the you know the seal judge or the trumpet judgments or whatever," and we're already doing this, and all the stuff before that hasn't even happened, and the tribulation hasn't even started, and the antichrist hasn't even arisen, and he hasn't confirmed the covenant with Israel or, or with the nations for a week, which is seven years. All these things haven't happened. Don't believe it. It's as simple as that. Don't believe it. If you get a email, oh, this prophet, he said this and this and this, and you research and you find out that that prophet isn't really too reliable, to be quite honest with you, I know very, very few that I've, a lot of people say, oh, he's 100% right all the time. Yeah, and I research and I find out that's not the case at all. Not even close. You got to be real careful of that too. You got to be really careful. The word of God is of no private interpretation. The Bible talks about that. And if somebody supposedly has some kind of inside track with God, and he's the only, he or she is the only one on the planet that's being revealed the certain truth that nobody else in the history of time has ever been shown, I'm usually a little skeptical. Sorry. I cannot tell you how many people I followed when I was in Charismania that were supposed this or that, and they would give time-dependent prophecies, or prophecies, oh, this is going to come to pass in this particular time frame. And never once did it ever happen. What does that tell you about them? That they are a false prophet according to Deuteronomy 18. Which basically says, if the prophets speak of something, presume it to speak of something in God's name, you shall know if they're true if it comes to pass. And also if it lines up with the word of God. If it comes to pass, and it doesn't line up with the word of God, that's no more, no more impressive than going, in, going to a gypsy and having her scry a crystal ball and having her get it right. You know, oh, well, she, she found out why. Because a familiar spirit went out. Like these, these murder mysteries, you know. And, and, oh, I mean, these people, a lot of times these detectives get flooded with psychics. 
Oh, I, I can see the body. It's, it's in the woods. It's off I-90. It, it's, it's buried under some leaves or whatever. And they go and they, they, they act on the lead and it's not there. The vast, vast, vast majority of times, they're wrong. That's what they don't tell you on TV. Okay? Every once in a while, they'll get it right. Well, how did they get it right? It's so easy. Think about this. It's so simple. Okay? There are familiar spirits that attach themselves to people their whole lives. Okay? You might have a guardian angel, true, but there's also an evil side that's monitoring you as well. And particularly if you're not saved. That person dies. Well, those familiar spirits are still around. They haven't went anywhere. They witnessed the murder. What does a psychic or a fortune teller tap into? They have their familiar spirits communicate with those familiar spirits of that particular crime scene, and they're able to get an accurate picture every once in a while, most of the time this doesn't happen, but every once in a while of the actual murder site or what happened or whatever, and then they report to the cops, they act, oh, wow, the, the fortune teller is the hero. You know, the psychic's the hero. It's garbage. It's total, all it is is a satanic parlor trick. They're just tapping in, they're just talking to the familiar spirits that saw the, the, the crime being committed, that saw the satanic crime being committed. That's all it is. All these, these things about ghosts and stuff like that, I really believe the vast majority of people that will call themselves Christians, and this is a huge thing on the internet and on TV right now, I guess, they, they would believe, oh yeah, it was, it was you know, dearly departed Uncle Jed. He's haunting the house. He has unfinished business here. No, he's not. He's either in heaven or hell. The Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. These are familiar spirits. They are disembodied familiar spirits. And they are potentially attached to a, let's say, a given object or a given house or parcel of land for one reason or another. Maybe there was a horrific crime that was done there by that person. Uh, maybe they murdered somebody. Maybe they um, innocent blood was shed on the, on the land. Who knows? Why that particular familiar spirit may be supposedly haunting a house, but it's not dearly departed Uncle Jed. He's either in heaven or hell. It's his familiar spirits that are sticking around, posing as dearly departed Uncle Jed, getting everybody to think that he's the one doing it. And it's garbage. It's lies from the pit of hell. It's another satanic parlor trick that a lot of people are going to go to hell just from that one. Because they would, because they think, well, if this is true, if I, if, if, if a wicked person can hang around on earth and do his thing until he, whatever he gets right, and then he can go toward the light, which is a common theme or whatever, if a wicked person can do that, then the Bible must be a lie. Because the Bible teaches there's a heaven and a hell. Do you see how that one point alone is going to take multitudes in hell? Because people will, We'll put all their eggs in that one basket. They'll say, well, Bible can't be true then. I'm going to develop my own religion. I think it's this. Because, obviously, if this is dearly departed Uncle Jed, he didn't go to hell. So, if that part of the Bible's not true, then the rest of it's not true. See where it goes? 
People will, will hang their hat on that all day long just because they think what it means is they're not going to have to answer to a holy God once they're dead. They're just being deceived and deluded. So I love them enough to tell them the truth is how I look at it. Or, or am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth, according to Galatians 3.16. You know? And I'm not saying that means it makes me wonderful and perfect. I'm just saying that, that you know, that's the truth. It's so obvious what's going on. And I've done studies on this and on these whole near-death experiences. Just key in near-death experience um, in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. That, that one by itself is major in the day and times we're living in. Major. And very few Christians um, have that figured out at all. You, and, and you see these shows where, you know, they get the... Pat, let's say it's a, it's a pastor where they'll actually preach a salvation in a particular de- denomination, like let's say Baptist or something like that. And these pastors are, are scared to death of dealing with this stuff. <laughs> uh, I tell you, I want to go toward that when I see it. I want to expose Satan for what he is and the liar that he is. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We, there's nothing to fear about that stuff. You have far greater power. Holy Spirit lives inside you as a born-again Christian. And if you want to know about my experiences, of, of some of my experiences regarding that subject, just key in supernatural in the keyword search box. And there's one study I did, my supernatural experiences. It's just some of them. Not to say, you know, I've got a corner in the market there, but I've had some pretty, I've had some doozies. Um, and uh, all it's ever done is increase my faith. Which is what I'm here to do for you, hopefully. That's what I'm here to do. Not to tear down your faith, but to increase it. And also to equip you and empower you with knowledge and understanding and wisdom of not only the Bible, but also how the current events of the day and times we're living to relate to the Bible and confirm the Word of God. That's what we're here for. It's not like a standard ministry where I'm just going to do preaching. I'm just a watchman. That's all I call myself. I'm not a preacher. I'm not uh, or, or an ordained pastor or anything like that. I'm just a watchman. That's it. That's all I call myself. So, going further, um, let's see here. Uh, for people who are normal and not rabidly greedy, it's hard to fathom the idea of anyone trying to get control of the whole world and taking a chunk of every measure of value traded between its people. When it's even... What's even harder to grasp is that they will stop at nothing to do it. And I mean nothing. Look around you. Look at the millions of people slaughtered in just the last ten years. The leaders may have resisted the cabal, but many, if not all, of those dead people were innocents. We have actually become numb to the idea of genocide, even when it's right under our nose. And we are sadly mistaken if we think we are somehow immune to the wrath of the most people evil of the most evil people on earth. They want us dead. Why would they want us dead? Because Satan wants us dead. Why does Satan want us dead? Because we're created in God's image. Uh, and also, the same reason he wanted everybody dead in Noah's day. Well, that, it's too late for that. Try to kill everybody in Noah's day by, essentially, through what was going on in Noah's day. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. They took them wise all that they chose, and in those days were giants. The men of old, the men of renown. Okay? Which basically went about and defiled the earth. Uh, 
corrupted the seed of mankind to a large degree, most likely. And it got so bad that God had to basically flood the whole world, save eight people on the ark. He almost pulled it off. There was probably millions and millions of people and save eight people. And it was almost like God had to start over with those eight people again. Satan was trying to destroy the seed line of mankind. Because if that would have been the case, then the Savior could have never came to save humanity, to pay the sin debt through the finished work on the cross, through his death, burial, and resurrection, through his blood that he shed, that couldn't have happened. Okay. Now, Satan also knows there's a lot of predictions in Daniel and Revelations that haven't come to pass, and if he could wipe us all out, you know, then those really couldn't come to pass because they are dependent upon, to a certain extent, upon people that are specifically mentioned, like the 144,000. You know, Jewish male virgins. Read Revelation 7 and 14. Well, if the whole world's wiped out, then that can't happen. You see where I'm going with this? That's why he would want us dead. He comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's his agenda. So anyway, um, they would love nothing better than to use their own military against us by goading us into revolting. They have really upped the ante lately, as well, SWAT teams, SWAT teaming everyday Americans on a regular basis and making sure that it's in the news and in our face. If we finally snap, then they will have their pretext uh, to kill us off in mass. Which, you know, uh, how much of this whole Occupy Wall Street stuff is part of that agenda? That's hard to say. I haven't really, yeah, I've been keeping an eye on it and everything, but... Um, I just, I think there's a lot of other pressing issues right now, like this particular teaching today that we need to look at. Now, if that escalates, you know, we may get into a study on that. Going further, they love the cover, they love the cover of war for murdering millions. Do you think the CIA could have found and destroyed Hussein or Gaddafi without dropping, um, don't you think the CIA could have? found and destroyed Hussein or Gaddafi without dropping a single bomb. Absolutely. With the technology that they've got. You know. But they have to turn everything into a big war. Why? Because that makes tons and tons of money. And then it kills and kills a lot of people. And maims a lot of people. And ruins a lot of people's lives. And Satan loves that. He loves it. He loves misery. Kill, steal, destroy. And a lot of people get rich. And those same people that are getting rich are those elite families that we talked about. It's no, it's no coincidence. Uh, then he goes on to say, Smedley Butler, who I'm not really sure, but was right, war is a racket. True. But I get the distinct feeling that it's not just, that it's just not quite as much fun for this group of psychopaths if there's not total Mad Max destruction. He's in reference to Mad Max, the, uh, movie of old, of basically kind of an apocalyptic type of of movie where men almost reverted to a barbaric society in order to preserve whatever vestige of humanity, and then there was bad guys and kind of good guys in this, you know, who was that guy? Mel, Mel Gibson, one of his first movies. Not something you want to take the family to see, let me tell you that right now. Um, yeah, it wasn't a Christian show, so... I saw it before, uh, before I was saved. 
if after pondering and researching these facts and events, you come to any other conclusion, you are in need of a serious wake-up call. The powers that be, or the TPTB, I'm not going to, I'm just going to say powers that be. Um, and, and again, the, he, who, they're, who he's in reference to is the Illuminati, okay, the ruling elite families that run the earth, that essentially, though, take their orders from Satan and from his fallen angels. So, we can focus in on them, but we have to really focus in on who's above them. Um, the powers that be have even carved in stone their desire to eliminate, well, really, it's 500 million, which, right now, we're probably getting near 7 billion, worldwide. So, you're looking at, you know, 90 to 95% reduction of world population, Okay. And that's the Georgia Guidestones. Uh, these are the, the New World Order Ten Commandments, um, and they're in the Georgia Guidestones in Elbert County, Georgia. Uh, I had a listener recently go there and take some, you know, went there, took pictures. They're out in the middle of kind of nowhere, and it's uh, it's the real deal. It's really there. So they need a much smaller herd if they're going to be able to steer and control everyone for a one-world government under their control. Now, they've admitted this much. The elitists have admitted this much. They need a smaller herd to control. They need a smaller herd of what they would refer to as sheeple people. So, a theme emerges when you look at the big picture. So, see, please keep that in mind as we're going through these 19 points. Okay, they've said it. They said the first commandment of the New World Order Ten Commandments is to reduce the world population to 500 million. Currently, we're nipping at 7 billion. We're looking at a 90 to 95% reduction. Now, I've heard 66%. Okay, whatever. 66 to 95. Somewhere in that range. We're talking billions of people have to be eliminated. For them... to fully implement their new world order system. I don't know if it has they have to be eliminated, but that's what they would like to see happen. Okay. Maybe they'll say maybe they get to a point where they will they'll say, well, we can't pull this off to the degree we want to. We're going to go ahead and we're going to implement the new world order and we'll we'll take care of the rest of the useless eaters, which is another thing they, they would refer to us as. We'll take care of the rest of the useless eaters later. Or, or incrementally along the way. Okay, hard to say how 100% that's going to play out. But one thing you have to understand is this theme of depopulation of the world emerges in the big picture of what we're talking about. They find the things that we all need to survive or use, then they put their agenda in motion. They find all the things that we need to survive or use, and then they turn those things against us. They either turn them into evil things, or they poison them. Like air, water, food, just to name a few. Okay, So if you still want to believe your government loves you, let me count you, count you just some of the ways they don't. Number one, now this is not in the order of significance or importance. This is just a hodgepodge order. He put them in here. Okay, I don't know if he put this one first because it begins with the letter A. Asperitame. Okay, now, it's also renamed as Amino Suite or Neotame. I got nailed on this the other day. 
I had bought one of those bars that, like, you know, and look, I'm always looking at ingredient lists on everything I, which you really need to be an ingredient list reader, okay? Because there's so much garbage in the foods now. There's so many chemicals and ways they're trying to kill you. Most of the stuff you can't even, I mean, you can eat it, but you eat it long term, it's going to have very detrimental effects in your body. Well, they've renamed Asperitame or NutraSweet, AminoSweet, or Neotame. And I remember the other day I picked up one, and I bought this bar, ate it, and then I remember, and then when I saw this article, I'm like, oh yeah, they mean, because it was Neotame, the last ingredient. So, that's what they do. They, they come out with something, then it gets a really, really bad reputation, because of just obvious documentation. They rename it. Like they want to rename now high fructose corn syrup to what, corn sugar or something like that? Some garbage? And again, high fructose corn syrup, they put that in just about everything. It's a synthetic derivative of the uh, carbohydrate that occurs in corn. And they, and they process it through all these different horrific things. And the end product is high fructose corn syrup, which is one of the number one causes for diabetes, heart disease, plaque of the arteries, which leads to strokes and heart attacks and all kind of fun stuff. And, it's, and they put high fructose corn syrup in just about everything anymore. I mean, even bread. Everything. Just about. you got to read labels. I'm sorry. I wish it was evil. Or you need to have, be making your own bread or, or you know, trying to buy things that this is not in them. And it's almost impossible in most grocery stores to buy bread that doesn't have all kind of horrific ingredients. Sometimes you can find them in the, in the uh, freezer section. Um, like Ezekiel bread and those types of ones. So I'm not here, I'm not trying to make your life this convoluted mess. Okay, I understand this study is going to probably be overwhelming for a lot of people. And yes, I understand God can protect you. But we are also destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I know that I was deceived about a lot of these issues for a long time. I was totally addicted to NutraSweet at one time in my life. And um, I had no idea it was bad. It's a neurotoxin, and that's what we're going to talk about in the first one. But when I started finding out all this stuff, I started resenting the fact that they were trying to kill me with these products, and I thought, well, what's the best thing I can do? Educate other people so that it doesn't happen to them. You know, it's what I would want to be done to me. Isn't that the golden rule? You know? As you would men do unto you, do ye also unto them. That's what Jesus Christ said. You know, that's what we should be doing. Uh, let them that are greatest among you, Jesus Christ said, let them be your servant. Let him be your servant. So being a servant to other people is actually the highest thing we can aspire to from a Christian standpoint. I mean, let them that are greatest among you, let him be your servant. That's all I really claim to be, just a servant to other people. That's what I pretty much do in this ministry. I just try to help people. Um, anyway, aspartame renamed as amino sweet or neotame, uh, to, and they, again, it was renamed to throw, thwart the growing awareness of the evilness of this product. Named commercially, originally equal, or NutraSweet. Now you notice how many names we're dealing with here. Equal, NutraSweet, Asperitame, AminoSweet, Neotame. It's all by design. 
You can't keep up with all the names. Satan has many devices. Name commercially equal, Asperitame has now found its way into 5,000 to 6,000 food products. Due to its incredible toxicity, this artificial sweetener was originally denied approval three times. That is, until good old Mr. Donald Rumsfeld was hired as the new president of Searle Company. The company that has since been sold to good old Monsanto. Probably, quite arguably, one of the most, well, probably, arguably, the most evil company on planet Earth regarding anything having to do with food or agriculture. Monsanto is just, it's, I could do probably a 10-hour study on the evils of Monsanto. They're that evil. And we're going to talk more about them. But anyway, Monsanto bought the rights to this, which really shouldn't surprise you. Okay, This chemical literally turns into wood alcohol and or formaldehyde, which is what they embalm people with, which is what they also put in, uh, it's embalming fluid, formaldehyde is embalming fluid. That's some nasty stuff. I, I dissected, when I went to chiropractic college, I dissected bodies, human cadavers, bodies for a year. And you went in there, and when you went into dissection lab and you came out, they had put formaldehyde in the bodies, they had embalmed them. It was really gross stuff, okay? And they had embalmed them, and so they wouldn't rot or deteriorate, and so you could actually work on them and do the dissection and all the other stuff. And when you got home, I remember you wore a white lab coat and you get out of dissection lab, you couldn't hardly get that stench off your body. It wasn't the stench of dead bodies, it was the formaldehyde. It probably took about five years off my life just working on that stuff for a year. It is nasty stuff. But that's what one of the things good old NutraSweet turns into in the body, formaldehyde. And wood alcohol, which destroys your liver. And formic acid, which is ant-sting poison. That's what ant-sting, when you get an ant-sting, it's formic acid. Okay? Uh, It turns into that in your body, and it also bypasses the blood-brain barrier. Tests show it causes brain tumors and cancer, reduces fertility, can be addictive, and is the cause of very serious health problems. I've also heard in the factories, if you work with this stuff, you have to wear full bio gear. And people still die. Even after they wear the respirators and the full bio gear, they still die from working with NutraSweet when they're working in a concentrated setting. The incidence of brain tumors and cancers has risen dramatically since it was introduced. Everybody's getting cancer. There are so many reasons why that is happening. We're going to cover a lot of them today. But it's so hard when somebody gets cancer and they're like end stage... And it's like, what are they, you know, I get questions, what do you do? And it's like, you know, this has probably been 20, 30 years coming. And they're trying to kill us in so many different ways. And by the time it gets to that point, I'm not saying God couldn't heal somebody. I'm not saying somebody couldn't turn it around. But most of the time, by the time I get a question like that, they're already in the medical system. They're already scheduled for surgery or chemo or radiation which is total insanity. Chemotherapy. Mustard gas. That's great. 
That's great. That's a great way to you know, destroy your own immune system, poison the body to death in order to kill the cancer. Kills you too, but you know, those the natural methods and the medical methods I'm not saying they're not compatible, but there's so much damage being done through radiation and chemo most of the time that it's a really bad scenario. But you have to understand, this is all by design. They're doing so many things to try to kill us. It's not just one thing that you need to eliminate anymore. It's not. When I first started finding out about things that could help cancer back in the 90s when I was practicing nutritional stuff. Now, I can't ever say I was treating it. All I'm doing is supporting the body. The only ones that can treat anything are the, are the guys with the white lab coats and the magic prescription pads, the MDs. Anybody else in the medical field, or I was in the medical field, but alternative medicine, chiropractic with a subspecialty in clinical nutrition, you can't ever claim to cure or treat or even treat anything. But you can't. what you can do is give the body tools that it needs in order to function optimally. That's all I really claim to do. But I mean, I saw some amazing things with cancer back then. Um, with, uh, like, one thing I used was called inositol hexaphosphate, IP6. You can get it in any health food store. My grandpa had a cancer tumor in his kidneys. They opened him up, and I think it was a ploy to do another surgery. They weren't expecting seeing it. They said, oh, we're going to close him up. We're going to go back in oh, a month or two months later and get the rest out. That sounds really intelligent. Another surgery, yeah. He's in his 70s, yeah, that's good and high-risk time to get surgeries, you know. But hey, you got to make your money, so who am I to say anything? Well, I put him on one thing. I put him on IP6. They go, they open him up. They don't even, I guess, do a follow-up MRI to see if it's worsened or whatever. They go back in two, two months later, it's gone. Gone! Can't find it. Well, it's spontaneous healing. All I did is give them IP6. Problem I ran into is that as time went by, I had really good, amazing results with cancer back in the 90s. And I wasn't specializing in it. I wasn't claiming to treat it. I wasn't claiming to cure it. But people were getting totally cancer-free from stuff I was recommending. And the problem is, is around the turn, I don't know if we got into like 1999, 2000, things started getting much more harder to treat. My mom was the last one I tried to help. I had her in over 40 things. Now granted, I think there's more to the story than that. If you read, if you listen to my story of my mom's recent passing, I think a lot of it was reaping what she sowed. And I don't even want to go down that road again. I've, re- I've mentioned it in recent teachings. But um, it was the thing the Lord used to get her saved. Her sickness, her ailment, just like my dad. Sometimes that's the only way God can get someone saved. is through severity and taking their life. Hey, praise the Lord, you're still going to see him in heaven. <laughs> so, you know, better they suffer a little bit in this life and you get to see him in heaven than they burn in hell for eternity and they have a great healthy life. What's better? So I was grateful, you know, that God did that. I had been praying about it for years and years and years. So, But sometimes that's the way God works. He has to do it through severity. The, the Bible talks about um, 
the goodness of the Lord leadeth, leadeth thee to repentance. But it also says in another verse, the severity of the, of the Lord leadeth thee to repentance. Sometimes his goodness is manifested through his severity. So, anyway, it's just a little side note there. But I had my mom on over 40 different things. Granted, she ended up having a stroke, and then she couldn't take anything I was giving her, and then she really went downhill. That was the... It was like nothing I was going to do was going to work, for a lot of different reasons. But, cancer has become... I guess I said all that to say this. It has become much, much, much harder to help, with alter- even with alternative stuff. And I believe a reason, the biggest reason, is that they've gotten so much more aggressive in all the different ways they're trying to kill us, which is what I'm going to be documenting today. Just some of them. This isn't, a, this isn't an exhaustive list, what I'm getting into today. I could probably do ten other teachings. And I'm already being mega long-winded as it is, so I don't know how far I'm going to get today, but... Uh, I wish I had better news for you than that regarding this particular subject. Um, Yes, I'm going to give you some proactive things you can do. Uh, I'm going to try to put you in the right direction. I'm going to try to help you. I'm not doing this because I'm trying to sell you something. The only thing that, that I've ever actively sold is the mild silver protein. That's it. That's the only product, health product, I've ever really uh, touted and in, 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 in talked about, you know, with my patients or, or with my listeners. There's some other products I've recommended and the lines I carry, but the only one I've actually, actually ever promoted online, internet-wise, was that one. And we will talk about that some today. And I believe God led me to that product. But most, the, the vast majority of what we're talking about, I, I get, you know, it's not like I'm getting monetary benefit or I'm getting rich off this stuff. I'm just trying to help you. Um, I'm just trying to do unto others as they would do unto me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help people with that. Okay, so let's go further here. Uh, regarding aspartame. The incidence of brain tumors and cancers has risen dramatically since it's been introduced. So here's one, one of the many reasons that cancer has exploded. The test monkeys that they used on the aspartame were trying to tell us something. A quick read on how they make it And you'll realize why it's so toxic. Instead of the warning on food labels, most products just say sugar-free. Oh, like that makes it so good. When it says sugar-free, it just should say death. It should be a skull and crossbones underneath the sugar-free. Okay, because any alternative sweetener they're using to make it sugar-free is death. Okay, just do the skull and crossbones. It'd be a lot more honest, but they're obviously not going to do that. So anyway... In May of 1992, the official U.S. Air Force magazine, Flying Safety, explained, quote, this is the official U.S. Air Force magazine, Air Force magazine, called Flying Safely, May 1992 issue, quoted, saying, In pregnancy, the effects of aspartame can be passed directly to the fetus, even in very small doses. People have suffered aspartame-related disorders with doses as small as that carried in a single stick of chewing gum. End of quote. This could mean a pilot... Oh, no, that's actually not the end of the quote. It goes on to say, this could mean a pilot who drinks diet sodas is more susceptible to flicker vertigo, which is a particular kind of vertigo, or to flicker-induced epileptic activity. Epileptic meaning seizure activity. It also means that 
All pilots are potential victims of sudden memory loss, dizziness during instrument flight, and gradual loss of vision. Oh, that's good. We definitely want to load them up on a spare team before they get up into the friendly skies and have a whole boatload of people in the back. You know? Obviously, I'm just kidding around, but I'm just saying, they're, they're bringing this up as a real problem. It's also one of the, um, from the research I've seen, one of the main causes, or if it's not one of the main causes, it's one of the main causes that mimics multiple sclerosis. MS, you know, you do not want to drink any aspartame, particularly if you have MS. It might have been what caused it. It's another thing that it does. Uh, let's go further here. Pilots have experienced grand mal seizures in the cockpits of commercial airline flights and have lost medical certification to fly, and three have died this year, which was 1994, from aspartame. That's what they were admitting in 1994. The FDA has received, now this is 1994, the FDA has received more than 10,000 consumer complaints of poison, was what they call it, that's 80% of all complaints about food additives. Now, that's when they were just really getting cranked up on this death agenda. NutraSweet had just been coming out, and now they've done a whole bunch more since then. But that was one of the main, main ones they were coming out that was really true poison. Now, I'm not talking, I, don't, I shouldn't say that because they put fluoride in the water and they've had the vaccinations issues. But as far as a food additive, a sugar substitute goes. That was the first one that really got the ball rolling. To a certain extent, yes, I understand saccharin was before that. And saccharin, it used to be, on the packets, they would say, this causes cancer in laboratory animals. Okay, but NutraSweet was a whole other level of toxicity and death, I believe. I don't think they were getting the desired results with the sweet and low death cancer causer. Now, Satan said, no, 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 they ain't killing enough people. We got it. We got to do something more aggressive to kill more people. That's sweet and low, it ain't killing enough people. That's, I'm serious, that's, that's how Satan looks at things. Who's behind all this? It's pure evil. Who's the father of evil? You know, just trace it back to the source. So, uh, 10,000 consumer p- complaints in 1994 which was 80% of the complaints about food additives. Now, if they have had if they had one or two complaints about a given herb or vitamin, the FDA just goes bonkers, crazy nuts and goes after them like a rabid dog in order to shut down the production of that either vitamin, antioxidant, whatever, herb. They go crazy. But no, no, they can have 10,000 consumer complaints about NutraSweet, aspartame, which was 80% of all food atoms, but they let it stay. Do you see how evil that is? I mean, that, that's, that's beyond sickening. Still, F, the FDA remains comatose and has done nothing to alert the public. Who assumed that since it's so highly advertised, it must be safe as mother's milk? The FDA consistently approves killer drugs... Uh, as uh, Omni Magazine reported, quote, 51% of FDA-approved drugs have serious risks and could cause adverse reactions that lead to severe and or permanent disability or death. That's what the FDA 
uh, is guilty of, and that was in 1994. That was May of 1994. 51% of FDA-approved drugs have serious risks and could cause adverse reactions that lead to severe or permanent disability or death. Those drugs are okay, though. All drugs are controlled poisons. You don't believe me? Well, just take the whole bottle and see what happens to you. You take a whole bottle of, like, I got a product, like, okay, a whole food supplement in a tableted form. At bare worst, it would maybe give you diarrhea. Maybe. Because the body couldn't have taken all those concentrated nutrients maybe at a single dose. Not going to kill you. Take a bottle of drugs, kills you. That's how people commit suicide a lot. They know that. All drugs are controlled poisons, and you cannot drug your body into good health. It's just impossible. Also, if you like, oh, I've got chronic headaches. I've got chronic knee pain. Okay? Let's say the chronic knee pain is because you've got cartilage injury, or it's thinning. Okay? So I take ibuprofen every day. Do you have an ibuprofen deficiency? Is that what's causing your knee pain? Are you correcting your ibuprofen deficiency in order to stop your knee pain? Well, no, of course not. I'm just taking it symptomatically. You're taking it symptomatically, you're going out, you're exerting yourself even harder. The pain's gone, so you think the problem's gone, so now you're really overstepping your boundaries, and you're actually increasing the deterioration of the knee joint. All by design. Now, you end up being a candidate for knee surgery. You're bone on bone. Oh, you need a new knee. Your body was trying to tell you something with the pain. If you would have taken glucosamine sulfate, it's been proven in double-blind studies to actually regenerate knee cartilage. I take it every day. I've got a ligament from another person in my left knee. I've had massive cartilage damage. They told me by the age of 21, I was going to be like an arthritic whatever. Even after the surgery, I totally tore my anterior cruciate. Had to have a ligament replacement from another person. Like, way back when. When I was like 18 or 19 in that age. I'm fine. I can go in the gym and do whatever I want to do. Yes, if I go out and, let's say, I hike too much, or I'm not taking quite as much glucosamine as I should, yeah, I can flare it up, sure. But I've never had to get another surgery. Never had to do anything like that. Chronic headaches is because you have a Tylenol deficiency. Could it be that your neck's out of position? The nerves that start in the upper part of the neck actually innervate the head. The second cervical vertebra, the nerves that exit that point, innervate sinuses and eyes. Maybe that's out of position, causing pressure on the nerves, going to the sinuses and the eyes, causing your headaches. Maybe your adrenals are burned out because you're under so much stress and you eat, drink, don't get enough rest and you eat too much sugar. Maybe your adrenals are totally burned out and you're having adrenal tension headaches. Well, that means I have a Tylenol deficiency. No, it doesn't. It means you need to feed your adrenals and get better rest. All I'm trying to point you to is this is what I did in practice for a long time. I just try to point people to common sense solutions for problems that they have. Now, I will grant you that they're trying to kill us in so many different ways. Things are so complex that it may just not be that easy anymore. At one time, I think it was a lot easier. When they weren't trying to kill us in so many different ways. And again, you're only as strong as the weakest link. So if there's, you try to help a patient and there's two or three ways that you're not aware of, that they're, something they're doing to themselves, 
they may be fighting against you every day with a protocol you put them on. So, again, I wish I had a better answer. But I'm trying to give you kind of the big picture here, what's going on. Let's go further. The CDC, John Hopkins University, and the New Jersey School of Medicine estimate that 80 to 120,000 Americans die from prescription drugs each year. We're going to talk a lot more about that. This atrocity has everything to do with the money and nothing to do with public health. Monsanto reaps at least a billion annually from its asperitame toxic bonanza, and that's just one of the ways this wicked company is enriching itself. This can can and does buy a lot of bureaucrats. See, these mega, mega rich country companies go to all the um, puppet politicians who have sold their soul to Satan. Don't think I'm biased about that subject. And they buy them off through lobbying and payoffs and kickbacks to get their draconian legislation either passed or to get them to look the other way. They've, you know, the politicians sold their soul to Satan and they allow this to go unabated. So this can and does buy a lot of bureaucrats. Does the FDA mean fatal drugs allowed? Is that what the FDA stands for? Fatal drugs allowed? FDA works for industry, not citizens. Ronald Reagan's FDA head, Arthur Hayes, overruled his own board of inquiry to approve NutraSuite, then hired on their then was hired on their public relations firm. So, good old Ronald Reagan's FDA, the head of the FDA at the time, Arthur Hayes, overruled the Board of Inquiry, who were wanting to look into a spare tame, to approve a spare tame. He overruled all that, and then he was hired by, I, I don't know if it was Monsanto at that point, or if it, if it was still Searle, he was hired on as their public relations, on, uh, as, uh, to their public relations firm. Federal attorney Sam Skinner was assigned to prosecute G.D. Searle Company for the fraudulent test they used to get this poison approved. But Sam switched sides and went to work for Searle's lawyers and in this case died when the feds let the statute of limitations run out. Oh, no, and the case died when the feds let the statute of limitations run out. It was all railroaded through the, cor- the corrupt, wicked court systems. From the black robe devils, judges. So that's how this whole twisted devil drug, which is essentially what NutraSweet is, it's a poison, neurotoxin drug, that's how this got approved. The highest levels of our government. Isn't that special? Monsanto then acquired Searle, who was the original producer of NutraSweet. And we know how wonderful Monsanto is. So, for more information, I give you a little link you can click on here. There's you, you there's whole books written about NutraSweet. I mean, you could just do a keyword search for, like, NutraSweet, poison, evil, death, exposed. Do, like, a keyword search for that. And you'll, you'll get your boat loaded if you want to know more about this. Okay, but again, just one way... We're just on point one of the 19 points, and I'm already through the first part of the teaching, so um, I don't hold a lot of hope for getting all this in one teaching, but or even four, but uh, we'll see what we can do tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and go to part two. God bless you, and we'll see you in part two. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendyfortruth.com. 
That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.